Wake up, America, before it's too late. The Steve Day Show. And greetings. Happy Thursday. Welcome to the Steve Day Show here live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. My name is Steve Dace. He's Aaron McIntyre. He's Todd Erzin. All of you are all of you. Coming up on this show here today, we have not one but two guests. At the bottom of this hour, Ed Dowd has been on the cutting edge when it comes to excess death data. We told you about the news yesterday that Germany is seeing its highest excess deaths since the start of the pandemic right now. 40% above normal. Higher than things even were in January of, of 21 as Delta variant uh, was wreaking havoc at the height of uh, that cold and flu season. Which is what you'd expect after lockdowns, masks, and vaccines work. Yeah, that's how it's supposed to work, right? Yeah. And the government wants to tell you that it's about uh, long COVID. Except if you go look at the government's COVID stats, and this is right from the World Health Organization itself, COVID deaths in Germany are down about 71% in January of 2023 compared to where they were in January of 2022. So that's not it. And and for a country as jabbed as Germany, that would be an indictment of the vaccine anyway. Mm-hmm. You've, got, that you've done this many rounds of boosters and injections and COVID is still wreaking that much havoc. So that's not a defense anyway. All right. That, that's an indictment of the jab anyway. But it's not COVID. And COVID deaths, you're talking about a country of 65 million people. They're averaging less than 1,000 COVID deaths a week right now in Germany. It's not, COVID's not leading to a 40% increase in excess deaths. So what is it? This trend line, not as stark as Germany, it's all over the world. Particularly in places that, coincidentally or not, very, very highly jabbed. Same data exists in our own state. Excess deaths this year or last year through the end of November, were up about 10% of where they were the three years prior to the arrival of COVID-19. How do we explain this? We'll see if we can get some uh, explanations from Ed Dowd. He's got a new book out, by the way. Uh, it's called Cause Unknown. We'll talk to him about that here at the bottom of the hour. Next hour, we will uh, continue our study of a nefarious plot, a look back on the book that inspired the movie that you'll all get to see here relatively soon in theaters nationwide. Literally any day now, I can give you the details on this. We're just about finished wrapping all of that up. And I think you're going to be very pleased and excited with um, how just God has opened up some doors for this movie. It's been incredible. So the book that inspired it, which inspired but doesn't spo- inspires but does not spoil the movie. The movie has a separate storyline uh, from the book, but not in the book. We'll continue that book study. And it seems only fitting that we would do it on the day that the Church of England formally announces it's no longer a church and really hasn't been for quite some time. Now, if you know the history, I mean, there are some good people that that came out of what eventually became the Church of England over the course of hundreds of years, but it was birthed in apostasy from the beginning. I mean, uh, the, the Church of England was created because the elites didn't want to live by the marriage laws. That's, that's literally where it came from. King Henry VIII, um, the Pope st- told him to stop murdering wives and divorcing them. He didn't want to stop murdering wives and divorcing them, so he created his own church. 
as one would do as one does yeah as one does um and you ended up turning on the man who literally home educated him sir thomas moore ended up turning on him um i mean it was just birthed in apostasy the church was which shouldn't be a shock and during that period of time, uh, some leaders of the Protestant Reformation in England cynically attempted to take advantage of this uh, to uh, promote sola scriptura in the country. And, and for a while, it looked as if they had made a proper calculation until it turned on them, too, and started arresting John Bunyan and people like that. Funny how that works, right? Funny how that works. You, you, think, you think you're going to grab the ring of power and you will do such good things with it. And then the ring of power doesn't change. It changes you. It doesn't turn. It turns on you. This has been an apostate church literally from its birth. And it was birthed in apostasy in defiance of God's law on marriage. So therefore, it is only fitting. Some may even say justified. The, the evidence, living, breathing evidence of the laws of sowing and reaping, the, the laws of nature and nature's God playing out right before, uh, cosmically, right before our very eyes, that a church birthed in apostasy and defiance of God's law on marriage is now dying right in front of us because of its defiance of God's laws on marriage. That, folks... That is some do not be deceived. God will not be mocked. We will always reap what we sow. Paul writing to the church in Galatia kind of stuff right there. So we'll get into a nefarious plot because that's also playing out within the Church of England. We'll get into that for Theology Thursday. And then we have a very special guest, the final segment of the program. How would we describe this? Governor. Yes, rightful. Rightful Governor of Arizona, Carrie Lake, will join us in the final segment of the show. Rightful Governor of Arizona, Carrie Lake, will join us. She's actually coming back home to her home state of Iowa this weekend, including not far from where I live, in fact. And uh, we'll talk to her about that, but also uh, what's going on in the country writ large, as well as her ongoing challenge of the theft of that election in Maricopa County, Arizona, and elsewhere. We'll get into that with rightful governor of Arizona, Carrie Lake, coming up here in the final segment of the show. But before we get to all of those things, let us embark upon Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by treachery. According to a new story from Pulitzer Prize winning investigative journalist Seymour Hirsch, it was indeed the United States who blew up the Nord Stream 1 pipeline last September. Quick biography on Seymour Hirsch, if you're like me and hadn't really heard of him before. He won his Pulitzer Prize by exposing the My Lai massacre in Vietnam. He also covered Watergate for the New York Times, reported on the mistreatment of prisoners at Abu Ghraib in 2004, and criticized the Obama administration over various claims it made about the death of Osama bin Laden. In his piece on the Nord Stream pipeline sabotage, Hirsch claims for the Biden administration it was never a question of if it would sabotage Nord Stream, but how. The calculus was apparently taking Putin's biggest bargaining chip with his European neighbors off the table. 
Hearst claims the White House made the decision to use U.S. Navy deep sea divers along with the CIA as opposed to Navy SEALs because the former wouldn't warrant bringing congressional oversight. Hirsch says the deep sea divers clandestinely planted C4 explosives all the way back in June of last year during a widely publicized NATO training exercise. Then when the Biden administration decided the time was right, they blew three of the four Nord Stream gas lines to smithereens in September. The CIA, along with the White House, has flatly denied Hirsch's reporting. Classified documents update. Here's Joe Biden to PBS. You said just possessing classified documents is, you said, totally irresponsible. So what was totally irresponsible about the fact that you had some? What they've informed me not to speak to this issue to any way try to prejudice the investigation that's going on. The Daily Wire's Matt Walsh testified in front of a Tennessee House of Representatives committee in favor of a bill that would ban the genital mutilation of minors in the name of gender madness. One Nashville Democrat tried a gotcha moment with Walsh, but wait till you hear the end. You in former comments mentioned uh, this uh, on your blog. At about 16, you're an adult who's mature and can make decisions. Uh, you're that at 16. I don't care what anybody says. Even going so far as to say, you know, 16 people, uh, when you're 16, you should be married and uh, and could be pregnant or should be pregnant. Um, so I'm curious if 16 is uh, a uh, an adult in your view, uh, why does this bill have uh, the uh, minor de defined as 18? Uh, Mr. Yeah, well, that's, recognized. Uh, yeah, that's, that's a hit piece you took from Media Matters, uh, from something when I was a, a radio host, uh, 13, 14 years ago, my early 20s. Uh, it's also not an accurate reflection of what I actually said. Um, I was talking about uh, the fact that people tended to marry young historically, and that's all that that was about. Um, how does that relate to, the, to this subject? Just curious of your definition of, of if you feel like people are adults at 16, should well, people uh, are adults should at 18, uh, but actually your your brain is not fully developed until you're 25. So we should be having a conversation about whether we should even be doing these surgeries to people at 18. But certainly before 18, it's it's absurd. I mean, do you, do you do you think that a 16 year old can meaningfully consent to having their body parts removed? Do do you? No. We do not. Yeah, we ask the questions. It's not. What the hell was in completely unrelated news? The FBI released an internal memo last month warning against so-called radical traditionalist Catholic ideology or RTC. The document was shared to the media by an FBI whistleblower. The document from the FBI Richmond field office states in making this assessment, FBI Richmond relied on the key assumption that racially or ethnically motivated extremists will continue to find RTC ideology attractive and will continue to attempt to connect with RTC adherents both virtually via social media and in person at places of worship. Yesterday in the U.S. House of Representatives, South Carolina Representative Nancy Mace, a Republican but no friend to conservatives most of the time, made a startling revelation when grilling former Twitter executives during a hearing about Twitter's suppression of viewpoints during the coronavirus pandemic. But I have effects from the vaccine. It wasn't the first shot. But it was the second shot that I now developed asthma that has never gone away since I had the second shot. Um, I have tremors in my left hand and I have the occasional heart pain that no doctor can explain. And I've had a battery of tests. 
I find it extremely alarming Twitter's unfettered censorship spread into medical fields and affected millions of Americans by suppressing expert opinions from doctors and censoring those who disagree with the CDC. I have great regrets about getting the shot because of the health issues that I now have that I don't think are ever going to go away. And I know that I'm not the only American who has those kinds of concerns. And now this, you may remember this guy. His name is Gabriel Wrench. He's the host of podcast slash TV show Cross Politic. He's also a citizen of Moscow, Idaho. You may remember him when he and numerous members of Christ Church decided to sing psalms and hymns in public in Moscow, flouting that left-wing city supervisor's mask mandate and social distancing edicts. This, again, was outdoors in September of subsequently sued the city along with key leadership figures within it. Well, now a federal judge has bitch-slapped the city of Moscow along with its city supervisor and police force. About a week ago, senior United States District Judge Morrison C. England Jr. denied Moscow's motion to dismiss Wrench's lawsuit against the city as well as Moscow City Supervisor Gary Reedner, city attorneys Mia Bautista and Elizabeth Warner, and Moscow Police Chief James Fry. The judge says Wrench and others should have never been arrested in the first place. The case now heads on to settlement. And that's what happened while we were away. You don't win every fight, but you lose Every fight, you don't fight. Amen. You don't win every fight, okay? But you lose every fight that you don't fight. Aaron's Montage brought to you by Books. Gentlemen, time is running short. Can you hear the clock ticking? That's just not towards the end of our once great civilization, but maybe towards your end, okay? Because Valentine's Day is just around the corner, man. All right? Trust me. It's a big deal. She does want something. And she does want you to recognize the day. It's not that she was lying to you when she said opposite. She just wasn't telling you the truth. So that's why right now, don't mess it up. Take advantage of this right now. Get 25% off with our friends over at Books. B-O-U-Q-S. I, I got an email from a, from a gal, Luann who said, nothing against books, but the only gift I want for Valentine's Day is Rise of the Fourth Reich. What can I say? I'm a hopeless unromantic. (laughs) Well, we even put the, we even, we even made the book read for you. So it has a little Valentine's Day theme for you, Luann. But Luann is a rare bird. All right. Believe me, uh, she wants you to go all out within your budget, of course. Don't, you know, Uh, it's a, it's a tenuous thing. Okay, go all out, but not enough that now she's worried there's not enough, you know, uh, money left in the month. It's, you know, what that looks like. I don't know. Okay, that's why we usually die before them. All right. So go to books.com. B-O-U-Q-S is the website. Books.com. Promo code Steve. Promo code Steve at books.com for 25% off farm fresh, not factory fresh flowers. So they stay fresher longer at books.com. B-O-U-Q-S dot com slash Steve. So I've been to Moscow, Idaho, by the way. I went up. uh, Christchurch has a university there. 
uh, St. Andrews College, and I went and spoke to their um, kind of their youth global outreach group a couple of years ago. Tiny little hamlet. You can't, you kind of can't get there from there. You know, you, you basically have to fly to, it is, it is closer to fly to Spokane, Washington and drive there than to fly to Boise, Idaho and drive there. Okay. Really neat community. Um, but it just goes to show you if it can happen there, there is nowhere to hide. For example, in our overtime today, some of you might be thinking, you know, maybe the Anabaptists were right. And what are the Amish doing right now? Right? How do I? <laughs> There's got to be some place to go to avoid this. No? No, not. Even the Amish. What did uh, Sarah Huckabee say the other night? We didn't ask for this. This is being thrust upon us. Even the poor Amish now are in the crosshairs. We will have that story for you coming up in the overtime today at blazetv.com slash dace. We will record it right after today's show. And then uh, if you're a Blaze TV subscriber, you can watch it today at blazetv.com slash dace. That's also where you can go to become one uh, for just $10 a month. blazetv.com slash d-e-a-c-e. So let's get to um, what is elsewhere in Aaron's montage. And there, there's one thing I, I want to... First of all, again, to Matt Walsh. Yeah, I, I said last year that I thought if if we had a man of the year, person of the year on the right, I, I mean, I don't think anybody made more of an impact uh, last year than he did. So, and it, didn't you say it was one of the Republican members that said to him, we, we asked, asked the, the questions, questions here? Yeah. Is that not? So if, holy cow. If that is not metaphor alert, all right, so we get a one-on-one shot, which is very rare, very rare. The, the, the system is devised to not permit us one-on-one shots like what Matt got against uh, Joseph Mengele's alkalite there and of all places, the Tennessee legislature, okay? Um, so we don't get, the system is devised for us not to get opportunities like this. And most of the time for us to get them, the mountain will not come to Muhammad. So Muhammad must go to the mountain. And that's what Matt did. He went to the legislature, right? And so he just asks a simple question. Sir, do you think a 16-year-old should have the authority whether to mutilate their bodies or not? And you can hear the silence, the uncomfortable silence, right? Because it doesn't want to go on the record, doesn't want to answer the question, right? And so we are about to plunge the stake through the heart, right? And then out off screen, jumping into the fray to interpose between us and the spirit of the age, a Republican. Oh, oh, not to save us, to, to save them. If that is not a perfect metaphor, and there's always exceptions, of course, if you live in our state, maybe you think you're an exception. If you live in Florida, maybe you think you're an exception. But by and large, on a macro meta level, is that not a painfully perfect metaphor for our relationship with the Republican Party? Matt delivers not even a knockout punch, man, just a solid jab. Just a solid jab. 
And the guy's got such a glass jaw, he's stammering right in the middle of the ring. And here comes the Republican, not to play referee, by the way, and and start the standing eight count and declare a TKO, okay? But to turn to you for delivering even the jab to say, that's against the rules, we don't do that here. That is... Steve, why aren't you a Republican? How come you don't know that it's God's own party, Steve? I'm too busy trying to fight the guy pointing a gun at my face. I don't have time to also simultaneously fight the person shooting me in the back. That would be why. Holy crap, is that a metaphor right there? And I'm I'm sure, Steve, just giving him maximum benefit of the doubt. That's Brian Terry. He's the chairman, I think, of the health, some committee on health. I'm sure he was thinking, oh, we got to follow the right parliamentary procedures. When you have a moment like that, you just sit back. Oh, whoops. I'm sorry. I, uh, you pulled a Fauci defense. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't have any memory of uh, parliamentary procedures right now. But no, no. we asked the questions. Yeah. Know your role, plebe. Why? Because the only party that hates us more than the Democrats are the Republicans. I don't like saying this, what I'm about to say. I have said this a lot recently. I'm not a fan of this. You got to remember, I, 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 I am a child of the 80s. My, my default setting is we're America, bitch. That's my happy place. I am the ugly American. All right, I, I want Taco Bell, not authentic Mexican food. When I, when I started this job, I wouldn't dare visit a place that I couldn't watch SportsCenter at night. Now, I can't bring myself to watch Sports Center at night. Sorry, Woke Center. This is a painful, pardon the term that's been bastardized these days, transition for me. <laughs> All right. This is not. Where when I got into this business, it is not where I thought, hey, if, I, if we are lucky enough to survive this long. You know, when I walked out of the cozy confines of WHO radio and a, almost a, a guarantee that if I didn't do something colossally stupid, I would have a, a reasonably decent paycheck to live a nice suburban life in the quiet hamlet of Iowa all of my adult life if I wanted to. When I walked out of there, when I cashed that in and went all in, not knowing what the future held, I thought that was, wow. Actually, what's today? February 9th? That was my last day on WHO Radio. February 11th is when we started this company, I believe. 2011. So almost exactly 12 years to this day. I would love to take what I am about to say, top in the DeLorean, and oh, I was such a wild-eyed optimist. 
And I would love to show 2011 Steve a clip of, of 2023 Steve and what he's about to say. I'm not comfortable with this. I'm actually, I'm sensitive to those of you a generation ahead of me. I'm Gen X. So I'm, 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 I understand if you're, if you're boomer con, I'm Gen X con, you're boomer con. I, I get, you really are uncomfortable with what I'm about to say. You know why we're uncomfortable with it though? Because we understand that tragically it is true. This country is no longer an objective force for good in the world. It's not. The enemies aren't in Beijing, Moscow, Pyongyang. Don't get me wrong. I, did I say we had friends there? No, no. No. Well, let me rephrase. The people running America in both parties, frankly, have lots of friends in those places. <laughs> okay. So gotta better signify who we is. We don't. All right. They do. Okay. So we may not have friends there. That's not who the enemy really is. The calls are coming from inside the house. The calls are coming from inside the house. Last week, Germany announced it has no evidence. None. You know, Germany, who's sending tanks and weapons and funds to Ukraine, like everybody else is, has no evidence after an investigation that the Russians sabotaged their own their own Nord Stream pipeline. I mean, that never made sense to me why in the middle of a war when they're being, their, their supply chains outside of relationships with countries like China are being completely cut off. Made no sense to me why Vladimir Putin would just go ahead and cut off his own supply uh, line on the Nord Stream pipeline. But, you know, what the hell do I know? I've never hostile invaded a country before. So, you know, I ran the KGB. So maybe there's some secret strategy there that I don't understand, you know, could be. Okay. That was a year ago. Don't you think if we had evidence, we have accused Vladimir Putin of inflation, gas prices, economic malaise, trying to start World War III. Election interference. Election, thank you, colluding, election interference, stealing elections. I mean, about the only thing we haven't accused Vladimir Putin of at this point in time is making out with Jill Biden in public. <clears throat> if there was evidence, real evidence, that we could have pinned this on the Russians, don't you think probably in the last year, similar to the whole, yeah, you, you, so everybody that leaked everything possible against Trump for four years and then made up the stuff that they could not leak, suddenly remembered that the shy comms were just launching weather balloons over the country under Trump's watch, and they forgot to leak that one, though, to the New York Times and Washington Post. If you believe that, man, you probably still believe that cloth masks made in China work against respiratory viruses, okay? Don't you think if they had evidence they could have implicated Vladimir Putin for this sabotage, we would have seen it by now, paraded out and about to justify, and that's why it's got to be another $3 billion to Ukraine. It was just going to be one and a half, but then we got this Zapruder film evidence of the commie pinko simps blowing up the Nord Stream, so we're doubling down, now it's three, and America goes, yeah! Of course you would have. 
So then why was there no evidence of said thing? Because there's no evidence of said thing. So then you start asking yourself, who would have a prime motivation? For, for a crime to occur, you need means, motive, and opportunity. Ask yourself, which nations then, because if it wasn't the Russians, we'd know if it was. Hell, we make up stuff they did that there is no evidence for and just run with it. If we had evidence, we would have shown it to you. So we don't. So then which countries have means, motive, and opportunity to pull off such an act of sabotage? Whom would it be? On top of the fact, you have Naftali Bennett, the former prime minister of Israel, saying that last year, the United States nixed peace talks between Russia and Ukraine. Hmm. I'm not saying the U.S. government did it. They did. I'm not saying they are uh, guilty of it. They are. I'm not claiming that the U.S. has committed this heinous act, even though it did. Um, I'm just saying that there's only one government that checks all three of those bots. Well, there's two. It's not the Russians, clearly, because if there was evidence of that, we would have had it by now. Mm. That leaves only one other government, our own. The worst thing we could do is muscle up the military. They will shoot you first, I promise you. I promise you they will shoot you before they shoot at the Chinese. We don't want to muscle up the FBI to go after crime. They'll shoot Todd first as a trad, okay? They'll shoot you first before they shoot Larry Nasser. I promise you, okay? We need to be honest. People that do what I do for a living and at a higher level than I do, God bless them. It's time to start being really honest. It, it's not 1984 anymore. Or maybe it is 1984, just not in the way that we would prefer. Remember when there were safe medications that proved at least some level of efficacy against a pandemic in the early stages of infection? We can debate how efficacious and for how long and how latent into that uh, infection they were still effective. We could all debate those things. We, we certainly can't debate overall the safety of those drugs, however. So why not at least give anything you possibly can during a deadly pandemic a try, right? Give it a go. You're right. Uh, remember, though, when they tried to not let you do that because they were fine with you dying instead? It happened. It happened uh, just uh, in the last few years, in fact. And then they remember then when their master plan was to instead give you a, a cancer, a failed cancer drug with a black box warning that made your kidneys tap out. Remember that one? And then when they, then when that got exposed, remember, they thought, let's roll out this Pax COVID drug that just apparently just does nothing but give you COVID. Uh, I mean, everybody that took it just kept getting COVID like Fauci and Biden and everybody else. Remember that? I do. Yeah. Um, don't ever forget it because if they did it once, they'll do it again. Get a hold of our friends over at Jace Medical. They want you prepared for such a time as this. They have what's called the Jace case of venerable antibiotics. Who knows? Maybe the next time they'll tell you that amoxicillin. Boy, that's just uh, rat poison. Doxycycline. I mean, you might as well drink Drano. Who knows what they'll try next time? I'm not even kidding. We just lived through this. Merck, Merck put out a press release trashing the drug it, re it received a Nobel Prize for. Okay. They'll do it again, I promise. Make sure you're prepared. All right? Go to jacemedical.com. J as in jump at this now. 
J-A-S-E, jacemedical.com. Get the Jace case of venerable antibiotics. Have them in your home so you know that the next time this happens, and it will, you are prepared. Take $10 off with the promo code DACE10 at jacemedical.com. That's jacemedical.com. That is a perfect segue to whom we are going to speak to next. His name is Ed Dowd. The name of the book, Cause Unknown, The Epidemic of Sudden Deaths in 2021 and 2022, including a forward by Robert F. Kennedy Jr., whom I had a chance to meet recently in Nashville via Jason Whitlock here on The Blaze. We welcome Ed to the show here. Long overdue, Ed. I've heard you on my buddy Daniel Horowitz's podcast numerous times the last couple of years. It's a pleasure to finally have you on with us. Congratulations on the book. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate you uh, inviting me today. So Ed, give us your background uh, in terms of data numbers uh, and and how you got into this group of uh, of dissenters or rational beings. So, you know, I'm a Wall Street guy. I, I spent my whole career on Wall Street. I, I was at HSBC, Hong Kong, Shanghai Bank. I was a fixed income salesperson for five years, went to business school, then went to Donaldson, Lufkin, and Genret, which is an, uh, what was a uh, equity research investment bank, uh, was electric utility analyst for two years. But down the hall, I saw the dot-com fraud going on in 97 through 99. So I've seen fraud my whole career. Went to uh, what's called the buy side, started uh, as a tech analyst at Independence Investments, mm-hmm. parlayed that into a, because uh, I saw the dot-com bus coming, parlayed that into a portfolio management job at BlackRock, where I ran a... Uh, a $2 billion portfolio when we inherited it, large cap growth, and we grew it to $14 billion over 10 years. We saw the financial crisis coming, and we steered our fund uh, as best we could through that morass of fraud. So I'm a guy that uh, picks stocks. I see trends uh, before the rest of the, the herd and try to capitalize on them. So my job is to live between perception and reality. That's the sweet spot when the herd is seeing uh, reality differently, and I see a new reality and a trend change. Mm-hmm. I try to take advantage of it. So I applied my skill set to this current morass we see, which is um, a, a product that was issued to us without any really long-term trials or studies. And early on, I started hearing anecdotes. And, and if you know anything about vaccine safety, you shouldn't be hearing anecdotes. Do adverse events occur? Sure, they do. But not to the extent that I was hearing about them in February, March of 21, not to mention all the sudden athletic deaths I was seeing then. And uh, I then lost my mind when they started mandating this. And that's when I got into the fight and uh, hooked up with Dr. Malone and offered my services. And from there, I've just gotten um, a team around me of experts, PhD physicists. We started a firm and we're basically pro bono just uh, scouring all the government databases, and we've uh, exposed what seems to be global excess mortality, especially amongst young folks. Uh, There was a big mix shift from 2020 from old who were expected to die to young folks in 21 and 22. It's a disaster. Just in the last weekend, and and folks, 
you you win in speculative markets, whether it's what he was doing at BlackRock or sports betting, not by following existing trend lines, but finding inefficiencies in those markets and getting ahead of those trends, as he just described there. And you were noticing inefficiencies in what in the in the narrative, what they what the public perception of the value of a stock or a commodity or the public perception of who the favorite in a particular sporting event should be. But when you looked at the actual data, it didn't stack up with the narrative. And that's when you go in, right? That's when you notice there's an inefficiency in that market. What was you mentioned what some of those initial safety signals were when you first brought them to people's attention? What was their reaction? And what did they say was the was the counter explanation for them at? So, so early on, we had bears. Bears sent off a safety signal right away. And the doctors who pointed this out were maligned and censored and deplatformed, lost their licenses. And as a someone who's been, uh, you know, in the financial markets my whole life, when someone is attacked that that uh, you know extremely, rather than you know take the narrative, I want to talk to them. So I, I talked to a lot of these doctors, and they were seeing in their own practices explosions in cancers and and myocarditis, and they were speaking out. They were brave enough. So. That was the, an early signal. Also, my own personal anecdotes. And when I talked to, uh, about this to people before I started you know, collecting data, and again, the data that I collected really didn't come to fruition until the end of 21 because that's when the bodies started piling up and the mandates really forced a lot of people. So uh, at, at the initial entry point of my thesis, I was met with derision. I was called a conspiracy theorist, mm-hmm. and I was told I was crazy. August 6th of 2021, Ed, Rochelle Walensky goes on CNN. And in fairness, since it was CNN, probably not a lot of people saw it. Okay. But on August 6th of 2021, Rochelle Walensky, head of the CDC, goes on CNN and admits that with the arrival of Delta variant here in the United States, the COVID jabs no longer offer efficacy against the transmission of the virus. They don't inoculate like a traditional vaccine any longer. Uh, She even admitted in that clip that now the vaccinated can get COVID and spread the virus as well. She admitted that on August the 6th. It got almost no media outside of that statement that she made to Wolf Blitzer at the time. Almost exactly one month to the day after she admits this, Joe Biden then issues what he had said all year prior to that moment he had no power to do, which was a vaccine mandate against a vaccine that his own health experts are admitting in public doesn't actually vaccinate any longer. Okay, and so. This is where you start asking questions like, what is the benign and innocent explanation for this? And what we have seen really since that moment and exponentially to the point the Washington Post is even admitting it now is that the majority of people who are getting COVID and dying from it uh, were actually the vaccinated, not the unvaccinated. And that's before we even get into died suddenly, collapsed suddenly. And now we've got data points at like my home state of Iowa where I live. All right, we were we were one of the only states in the country had no stay at home order. Our governor had did a, did a terrific job mitigating us, navigating us through this for the most part. We were one of the most open free states and earliest open states in the country. And yet, despite that, through November of last year, our excess deaths are up about 10 percent from where they were the three years prior to the pandemic even though we have seen an over 70% drop in COVID deaths from the previous year as well. So if it's not COVID causing this surge in excess deaths. Look at the German data. I'm sure you've seen that. They're looking at a 40% increase in excess deaths right now, even though they have seen a 71% decline uh, in COVID deaths there. So if it's not COVID 
What is it? How much of it is the jab? How much of it is what the lockdowns created with the denial of elective health care, like cancer screenings and things of that nature, and now people are paying for not having that preventative care when they needed it the most? Do you know the answer to that? I think I have the answer. And I look at two data sets that really provide a smoking gun in my mind. Uh, there's the group life uh, policy holders. And this is a report that came out in August of last year that I put in my book. It's called the Society of Actuaries. They did a survey of 80% of the revenues of the group life policy uh, business in the U.S., U.S. insurers across all the different companies. And what they found was this. Um, and let me describe group life. Group life policyholders are those that uh, usually work at Fortune 500 companies and or mid-sized companies. So these are the, the elite workers amongst us. Uh, and they tend to be ages 25 through 64. And this group experienced 40% excess mortality in 2021. That's a fact. Those are the numbers. Now, why is this important? Uh, this is a group that is generally more healthy than the general U.S. population. Not generally. They are. And it's mm -hmm. been proven by the Society of Actuaries. Uh, they did a study in 2016 to prove what they knew, which is that this group dies at uh, a, a 30 to 40 percent the rate of uh, mortality in any given year versus the general population. And wh why is this the case? Well, these are the people in the prime of their working life. They're working at the best elite companies that have access to the best health care, and they tend to be educated. They experience 40 percent. The general U.S. population experienced 32 percent excess mortality in 2021. So this traditional healthy group flipped in terms of adverse uh, uh, excess mortality. And these are, these are actual claims paid out. These are units. This is, 40, this, this is not dollars. This is 40% excess bodies, uh, given what the ex expectations of the insurance companies were. That's, that's, that's the first group. The second group uh, data set is the US Bureau of Labor Statistics. And they are the people that give us the monthly payroll numbers, the employment numbers. They also do. Uh, they look at disabilities, and it's a monthly survey. It's real time. It's not attached to a doctor's note or social security claims. This is people who self-identify. That number was running 29 to 30 million prior to 2021. In February of 21, it took off. And again, I'm a Wall Street guy. We noticed a year-over-year -year, uh, 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 three standard deviation in, in, the, in, the, in the growth rate, which only happens 0.03% of the time. And we, we, we climbed from about 29 to 30 million to 33.2 million by September of 2022. Hmm. When you break down the numbers uh, further, because you can break down the numbers uh, on, on the website, the employed of, of, of our country, which is about 100 million, experienced a 31% increase in their disability rate versus the general U.S. population, which experienced 8%. This wow. shouldn't happen. But, uh, employed are just generally healthy or healthier than the whole population by the very nature of the fact they should get up in the morning and go to work and do something, okay? So, uh, so of that 3.2 million uh, newly disabled Americans since February of 21, and the tremendous growth rate, it looks like a growth stock chart. It was basing along for the last five years and then it broke out. It looks like, it looks like a, a stock growth chart that I would buy as a stock. So if this was a trend, and the trend is your friend. You want to be long disabilities, unfortunately. Uh, of that 3.2 million, 1.7 million are employed. So when I went before Senator Ron Johnson in December, I pointed out these two data sets, and I said something has happened to the employed population of our country. 
It's been detrimental to your health to be employed in 21 and 22. And I blame, of course, vaccines and mandates, bar none. And unless someone comes up with a better explanation, this needs to be investigated. But, it, it, you know, there's crickets from the mainstream media. The good news is uh, recently Bloomberg uh, put out an article saying, yes, young people, they are at least admitting the problem. Young people are dying. But in, in the headline, they said it's not the vaccines. I've got about 90 seconds here. When do insurance companies, uh, CEOs, march on Washington and say, why are you sticking us with your bill? We have a member of Congress yesterday saying on camera, I'm vaccine injured. God bless her. I'm glad she did that. But why isn't Nancy this morning uh, demanding massive congressional action uh, to shut down continued uh, promotion and funding of this uh, of these poisonous jabs? In other words, Ed, when does the what, what does the data say? When do we reach the critical mass? A long time ago. Uh, obviously, we haven't. This should be. Th- we should pull these vaccines today. Uh, unfortunately, the data continues to suggest that uh, the the bodies will keep increasing and the disabilities will keep rising. And the good news is, Josh Sterling, who was uh, one of my uh, early uh, uh, team members, is working with uh, insurance executives behind the scenes to try to figure this out. Obviously, they all got jabbed and they're all in denial, but it's slowly starting to dawn on a lot of them that the vaccine may be the culprit because they're losing money and they're going to continue to lose money. They they were still under the illusion that COVID was causing these excess deaths. But that's, you know, with COVID basically now a common cold, it's becoming increasingly harder to uh, Mm -hmm. deny what's going on here. Name of the book, Cause Unknown. The epidemic of sudden deaths in 2021 and 2022. Ed Dowd, dude knows his stuff, been following his work throughout uh, the course of this story the last few years. Uh, a, a fascinating book as well, but highly recommended. Ed, uh, thank you for what you've done. Keep doing what you're doing, brother. God bless you. All right, take care. Thank you for having me on the show, and thank you for what you do. I appreciate you as well. Thank you, Ed. Thank you. Very kind. Noticed when I asked him some key data points, he brought up that BLS survey on disabilities we pointed that out mm-hmm. you know that that was the mother of all data points um i mean how do you possibly explain that um given how consistent that trend line had been going back what 10 15 years i think that that chart went back to 2008 if i recall guys right and then you see a sudden explosion in 2021 and then you see it really take off uh, later in the year when we get to September in the, f- in the fourth quarter with the advent of the mandates, right? Yeah. I mean, I, to me, that, that is in, that's an inescapable plot point there. And I love your question about when do the life insurance poobahs say, uh, dude, this, yeah. this, this, but where's our subsidy? Where's again, our grant? Why, why are we picking up the tab for what you guys made us do? Yeah. Because ultimately, this goes back to magical uh, power of vaccines. There is, even with that level of reality, and again, these guys are guys like they're 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 constantly dealing in nothing but data. They're 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 basically placing bets all the time. Mm-hmm. Who and and we know where this goes ultimately. If you don't ultimately uh, play within the lines of that betting world, somebody comes with a baseball bat and takes out your kneecaps. That's what you're asking. Why aren't they doing that? Again, because this magical power of vaccines things, this, it, 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 it has people in a trance. If even they cannot come and say, time out, this is nonsense, you need to ask yourself, what kind of voodoo are we really dealing with? 
Exactly right, Todd. Hmm. I mean, this is a different version of my big mistake analyzing the pandemic back in 2020. I just cynically assumed that our country, our people's addiction to entertainment, addiction to comfort, addiction to going out and being able to do things would override whatever they were being told to do. Mm -hmm. That wasn't the case. This is just a different version of that. Yep. Which brings us to, boy, that's a segue to exactly what this week's chapter is about in a nefarious plot for Theology Thursday. Wow. We'll connect those dots when we come back. Back here with Hour 2 live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Want to thank Ed Dowd. Make sure you get his book, Cause Unknown. Follow his work. He has been on the cutting edge quite a while. Uh, In fact, for Rise of the Fourth Reich, he was the very first interview that we did. Now, he's not in the book, though, because Daniel and I just made the decision by the time the book was going to come out, a lot of the data that he was going to give us would be outdated, and it was bad then. I mean, we started doing interviews for this book in March of last year. He, I think he was the very first one. It was The data was bad then that he was giving to us. That's before we had that BLS disabilities report and everything else that we have now. So we made the correct calculation because it would have seemed pretty trite, the stuff he was talking. Now, in March of last year, it was end of the world. But compared to what we have seen with 15 Sigma events and stuff like that, it's it, it would look trite compared to what's in the rest of the book. So we did not put him in the book, but I know Daniel has made a point of trying to feature him on his podcast frequently. Uh, we've been remiss not having him on uh, previously. That's why I wanted to make sure we gave his book a double plug here. All right. Cause unknown. The Epidemic of Sudden Deaths in 2021 and 2022 is the subtitle. You want to check it out and follow his work. He does phenomenal work. This portion of the show brought to you by our friends over at Bambi. Uh, When running a business, your employees, human resources can create difficulties, challenging situations. That's why maybe you're thinking, I can't afford an HR department. I can't afford an HR director. I mean, the average salary of an HR director is about 80 grand a year. If you're a small business, and that's the majority of businesses in America, you're probably right about that. Right now, you can't. That's where Bambi comes in. Uh, It's $99 a month. And no, no long-term contracts. You can do this month to month. Maybe you're just in a season, like maybe just like right now, you know, navigating tax season and everything else. You could use someone just for the next few months, maybe on a temporary basis to watch over that for you. Maybe you're a seasonal business, you know, and so when uh, peak season, when you're in peak and uh, output with employees, you really need help. Whatever that is, or maybe you're like, you know what, this would be a nice permanent expenditure just to have that peace of mind to know that is taken care of and I don't have to worry about that kind of stuff. Whatever your situation is, Bambi will tailor it to you. 99 bucks a month and it's only month to month. No long-term contracts. Get your own dedicated HR consultant uh, available via phone, email, or real-time chat for anything from onboarding to terminations. Uh, they'll help you run your business smoothly. Bambi.com is where you want to go, just like it sounds. B-A-M-B-E-E Bambi.com Bambi.com and under podcast when you sign up, uh, type in Steve Dace 
for a special deal, and it'll really help the show as well. All right? Type in Steve Dace under podcast when you go to Bambi.com. Also, you can let us know what you think about what we think by emailing the show, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, MeWe, and Gab. You can follow me at Steve Dace Show on Twitter, Getter, Instagram, and TikTok. You'll also find me on Truth Social at Real Steve Dace as well. Don't forget, Tuesday, the new book drops, Rise of the Fourth Reich, confronting COVID fascism with a new Nuremberg trial. So this never happens to happens again. This thing is a 400-page neutron bomb. Much of it, first-person accounts and testimonies of the destruction of COVID stand over the last few years. No anonymous sources in this book. Everybody's on the record from whistleblowers within the Department of Defense, the healthcare industry, people who have suffered at the hands of both and more. Everybody's on the record. Every interview is recorded. Everybody is on the record on the witness stand. And there is a powerful opening and closing statements here as we conduct kind of a mock Nuremberg trial of the last few years. You can get your copy now, pre-order it at Amazon or Barnes & Noble. And then next week... We're going to tie this into the movie Nefarious. You've got a chance next week via the launch of this book to win a trip as my special guest at the premiere of the movie Nefarious. And we'll have details on that for you coming up next week here on the show when the book launches on Valentine's Day. But first, let's get to the book that uh, inspired the movie Nefarious, a nefarious plot. As we continue on with Theology Thursday, a reminder, um, if you are you know, worried about spoilers for the movie, the book won't spoil the movie for you. The movie serves as a prequel to the book, and you'll see when you see the movie, if you've read the book before, uh, you'll see direct lines from the book, but the, uh, the plot line itself is entirely original. All right, so this won't spoil the movie for you at all. If anything, it might add some exposition to what you're going to see when the movie comes out here in the next couple of months instead. So we laid into who Nefarious, who Nefarious, Lord Nefarious is. Then Lord Nefarious told us who we are and why, as a country, he, hell specifically put a unique target on America's back. And then last week, he laid out the overall rubric of his master plan to take down America. For the next few weeks, he's going to get into specific facets of said plan. And the first one we will talk about is decadence. I've read this book like five times, helping you edit it, going through it. And you, as we've stated before, you started writing this when, Steve? I started writing this in March of 2014. Yeah, so yeah. We're, we're going back a spell. But as, I, as the creep of the reality of this, us being right at the precipice of this was, was clearly there, which is why it was so compelling. Now, being on the other side of it, being that it's all really come true post-COVID. And I had, as much as I've been talking to you uh, lately about our addiction to comfort and it, it is destroying us and it is keeping us uh from changing uh that which needs to be changed our comfort is actually our suicide pack i had i had totally forgotten i mean that this entire chapter is that i i think as you said it's prophetic what we just talked about with ed dowd well also today on twitter just to to set that up i asked ed 
at what point do these insurance executives who yeah. are paying off 30, 40 yeah. percent more death claims than their budget than they were budgeting any prior year? Yeah. When do they march on Washington and say, "Where is my handout? Right. Where's my bailout? Where's my subsidy? Because we're paying the freight for your disastrous, you know, poisonous right. program here?" Right? Uh, we had a sitting member of Congress yesterday, Nancy Mace, sitting in Aaron's montage. She admits right to on camera to the the the, the former Twitter Stasi, "I am vaccine injured. Okay, yeah. I have a cardiovascular condition now I did not previously have because I took another round of the." jab god bless nancy mace for admitting that yes but why wouldn't you therefore be on the floor yes. of the house of representatives today taking off your high heel man and right. banging it against the, le- the the lectern to say stop these shots right why wouldn't you do that when, when does the critical mass arrive so yes. that's what you're talking and, about and it's because there is still uh to borrow from your world aaron there is still a he heel should not be named aspect to how deep this goes with Vol- you're not allowed to quite say oh it's Voldemort it's that bad it's that evil well here Anna James Ziegler somebody uh, I follow uh, on Twitter she happens to be reading the screw tape letters which you used as mm-hmm. your inspiration this and is, it serves almost like a, a an homage a sequel yes. homage to the screw tape letters. and it's perfect yeah. she mentions on this very day and this is what this chapter is about quote so inveterate is their appetite for heaven, people, that our best method, our is the devil, at this stage of attack, attaching them to earth is to make them believe that earth can be turned into heaven at some future date by politics or eugenics or science or psychology or whatnot. That is exactly what you talk about in this chapter. You addict them to government and the trick in that and this is a what uh, a, f- a fascinating point and there's so much in this chapter so i'll just start with this you simply say it's simple but it's not easy the trick in doing this is to simultaneously convince people that they are okay just the way they are and also perpetual victims filled with grievances that the government must step in to fix and it's actually happened because think about think about the people you know like creating today. a virus yes and then uh creating a virus unleashing it yeah and then you suddenly have the uh in in the fastest turnaround time in all of human history you have the vaccine quote-unquote cure for the very virus yeah. you created i mean just uh, like that would be a similar scheme hypothetically yes. speaking of course and think about transgenderism yes. The, the, these have been anointed as the most sympathetic creatures. They are simultaneously beautiful, fine just the way they are in terms of their emotions, their psychology, but so victimized and broken that we have to cut their bodies apart. We're living... I, Again, to be in the middle of this, Steve, to read your book now and to know we're on the other side of it, it's mm-hmm. not a cautionary tale. This is why the book works. He's telling you because it's done. Mm-hmm. I've honestly, I can't, I, the fact that this is like, we're a quarter of the way through the book. Like what the hell else could go wrong? It's all bad now. (laughs) Other than everything. Yes. Other than everything. I, you know, here's a, here's a paragraph that I think kind of sums up, sums up what you're trying to say and said very powerfully. You bags of meat believe your true character is revealed through suffering. Mm-hmm. But like most things you arrogantly believe about yourselves, the exact opposite is true. There's a reason your churches are full the day after a 9-11. You have a prayer vigil after terrible natural disasters. And the surviving family members of even the most wicked want a minister they ignore at all other times to speak 
words of comfort at their dearly departed funeral, their dearly departed's funeral, and offer them hope that he's not down here with us. And by the way, he usually is. It turns out suffering reminds you that you are not the ultimate power in the universe. And there are forces beyond your control and comprehension. This acknowledgement, unfortunately, unfortunately, unfortunately humbles you. Which unfortunately causes you to reach out to you know who. This is why he uses suffering to your benefit. But you're so dense and dumb, you'd base your entire lives on conflict avoidance if you could. Let's face it. If a process was created by which you could be incentivized to take no chances, but just exist as mouth breathers at a subsistence level, you take it. I came up with just such a process, yeah. nefarious. <laughs> That's what you were just saying a moment ago. Yeah, we're in big trouble. We're in big trouble. We are so absolutely in love with our look at i mean it, it's 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 what your daughter keeps tormenting us with these tiktok videos mm -hmm. they're they're so proud of themselves they're so in love with themselves uh and and those who they think are part of their tribe but they're constantly talking about that they are also the most broken the most dis disenfranchised and the thing where you say that the something had to replace it and you say well it's 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 been right in front of us this whole time you talk about it's what government wants to be it mm -hmm. always has been to be god to to, to be god whatever that monarchy tyranny go yep. all the way through history despot um hordes genghis khan and the hordes it always it always wants to do that you, you just you just have to put the rainbow colors on top of it and that makes it seem who like wants to wear who wants it, to wear it, the ribbon yeah right yes that's, that makes it seems like it's, it's got electrolytes yeah yes that, that, that that's heaven i it honestly i don't the fact that we have to keep reading after this and I, again i've read the book five times but this was before covid before the trainee madness set in that i so when we talk about it still being the 11th hour steve i think we're lying mm -hmm. it's not mm -hmm. the 11th hour that was the 11th hour it's freaking midnight. That's, that's why that's, he's... That's what Lord Nefarious thinks. That's why he's spiking the book that's in why our face. He, yes, that's why it's not... He's not the handlebarred mustache villain turning, you know, the edges of his, uh, of, of, of his facial hair to say, now that I have you captured, I will reveal my plan. No. It is now that I have kicked your ass, and I know it, and you know it, and I know that you know it, and you know that I know that you know it. I'm actually just going to dunk on you. That's what I'm going to do. It's not, you, you, you won't stop it. You, would, you wouldn't, even if you, you don't want to. What's the first line of this chapter? The very first line. Let's go back to the very first line of this chapter. Phase one of our plan consisted of giving you so much of exactly what you want that you choke yeah. on it. That's the very first line. You use the word multiple comfort. Like this is why, like we, we really, to heal. We, we, I mean, this this is in a, a a Catholic tradition. It's at the heart of Lent. What you, but as we've got to detoxify ourselves by making ourselves uncomfortable. It has to happen. I want to go to the part of this chapter talking about um, 
heroes and legends. Nefarious says even the worst cultures produce legends that compel you to aspire to something greater than you bags of meat really are. It's unavoidable, really, since you're made in his image. You're cursed with the same hero complex he has. You love to see someone, especially yourselves, swoop in at the last minute and save the day just when it seems as if all is lost. And so does you know who and talking about a couple of, you know, legends and trying to corrupt legends and and um, heroes in this culture. Along kind of the lines that that Todd was talking about. You know, we lo- we listened to that we listened to that um, woman in that TikTok the other day talking about stop calling stop calling all of these good things in your lives blessings. Mm-hmm. It's just privilege. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, she's flaunting apparently her uh, morality privilege in our face, but not that notwithstanding. Along the lines of that and what I just read for you, is this? Is this just Romans 1 judgment or are we experiencing maybe a spiritual darkness at a mass scale that maybe doesn't even do Romans 1 judgment where yes. there is a critical mass of people, maybe not critical mass, but not an insignificant number like what we see in the TikToks whose minds have been so warped by the devil's junk. Not only that. Mind has been so warped culturally, institutionally, uh, familially. They don't even know what a hero or a legend looks like. Yes. They don't even want that. Yes. Are we, is this just merely Romans 1, good, evil, evil, good? Or does this go beyond that? Nefarious answers your question with these words. He goes into several examples of how films like The Last Temptation of Christ. He makes several specific pop culture references to how they have attempted to corrupt even our secular symbols, like a, like Superman, for example. Even our secular symbols of inspiration and how they were unable to corrupt them, tarnish them. Uh, that they would, they would make a movie with a, a huge star like Russell Crowe um, starring as Noah. And he's basically a paranoid schizophrenic who gets cabin fever like uh, Jack Torrance in The Shining and goes crazy at the end. And no one went and saw the movie. So th- when, when, they, when, they, when they do agitprop, it's not successful. And we still are seeing that now, actually, right? We just had this conversation the other day about they, how they keep trying to give us these movies whose main plot line is homosexuality. It's not like it's part of the cast. It's like the main part of the plot. The two dads in Hot Knock at the Cabin. Uh, the, the, the lesbian friend in... Uh, in in uh, Buzz Lightyear, the training late, late main character in Strange New World, bros. They keep trying to make it the main part of the plot. And even in our decrepit, de- de- diminished state as a people, we're rejecting this entertainment and not seeing it, right? We, we just talked about this 48 hours ago on the show, right? Okay. Here's his answer to this. So if we couldn't corrupt your heroes, that meant we had to corrupt you. We had to corrupt you to the point that you could no longer contemplate aspiring to be like these heroes. So altruistic, so pure, so brave. We had to corrupt you to the point that you would begin changing your heroes for us in order to make them more relatable and contemporary. 
We had to convince you that on one hand, you're just fine the way you are and human nature is basically good. But on the other hand, convince you that attempting to rise above your base nature was arrogant and judgmental. Remember the line from The Incredibles when the mom tries to get the kid to stifle his gifts and be like everybody yeah. else? And she tells him, well, everybody's special. And yeah. he says, well, if everybody's special, then no one is. Yeah. He's flipping the script here. Okay. At first blush, these would seem to be contradictory notions and thus an impossible task. But that's why I get paid the big bucks, he says. I found the answer in a new twist on an old tactic, decadence. When people think decadence, they think of someone like, a, like our beloved Nero, one of the better treated troglodytes down here, marrying his male slave inside the Roman Senate, or mass pagan orgies to gods of the harvest. See, that is us in disguise. It's doubtful your culture will ever go for such overt public decadence, like the blowback we just saw to Sam Smith on Sunday night, right? He's alert. He is prophetically pointing out, we tried to do this. You guys have blowback, you, okay? We, you guys won't go for it. So here's what we do instead. Typically, we would consider such a remnant to be a threat, for your history proves it does not take a majority to prevail. But let's be honest here, we usually have the numbers. However, a persistent minority armed with unwavering courage of conviction, or just one person even, is usually our most formidable foe. Yet right now, we pay it no mind because you're not listening to the remnant that remains in your culture. You're shunning them. You're siding with us and helping us to permanently silence them. Because tolerance, all thanks to the new type of decadence I contrived. A decadence, then he goes into what that decadence is based on. A decadence based on dysfunction. The family is so decimated and destroyed that if anyone dares to submit or, or suggest, we go back to what the, we all knew what the previous ideal was, that is so unattainable for us to think that we can possibly get to, that we then turn on the person that suggested and said, what a judgmental yeah. piece, of, piece of you know what for even suggesting that. I'm just fine. And since I, and since I couldn't possibly get out of my decadence, I might as well just go ahead and, and further roll into it all the more. I yeah. might as well lean into it more. That's what he is saying, okay? This is what happens when, when, when we are broken down using the government then. Then, the very instrument that broke it, the government comes in and to quote-unquote save it and now is the, new, is the new plumb line for truth and honesty and ethics and right and wrong and morality, okay? And we could go on and on, but that's what he did. He played to our vanities, gave us what we wanted, and then when we took the monkey's paw, when we took the, 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 when we took the Faustian bargain or Faustian bargain, when we took the Faustian bargain and it destroyed us, they didn't leave us in the gutter. Because what happens to the prodigal son when he goes to his father and says, I want you to be legally declared dead. That's what he was saying. I want my inheritance now, which means you're legally declared dead for me to get my portion. I take it and I engage in what we traditionally call decadence. And it blows up in my face, and now I'm destitute. I have nowhere to go. I'm deprived. I'm, de I'm destitute. I'm starving. I'm eating pig pods. So what does he do? Exactly what Nefarious says at the beginning of this chapter. They hate more than anything else. He humbles himself. He humbles himself and returns to the Father. They knew if they left us with this decadence and gave us what we wanted and it destroyed us, we would have nowhere to turn other than upward. We'd have to look up. Just like we look up after a 9-11. We look up after a natural disaster. We look up at a funeral, right? When we're reminded that the, there are things and forces at work in this world and universe beyond us. We look up. Not We don't look inward. We don't look out, around. We look up. Didn't want us to look up. So they became Savior. 
And by the way, this didn't blow up on you because you made bad choices. It blew up on you because you're a victim and we're here to save you from your victimhood. So the drug dealer now is also the deliverer. He sold you the crack and then he offers you an aberrant form of rehab, which will then have you going back to his crack. Then he'll offer you more rehab and they'll offer you more crack. And then this cycle just continues on and on and on. And if anyone would dare come in and say, have you considered just putting down the crack pipe? Just put it down. Break the cycle. Have you can you're a racist. Why do you hate women? Uh, you're just a xenophobe. Clearly you're a homophobe. Yeah, you just want me to stop having anal sex with guys? That's where we are now. They didn't redefine gender and make us decadent. No. They redefined decadence so they could then redefine things like gender. We're hooked on a feeling here. This is Dr. Feelgood. They're, they're, they're not punishing us. They're giving us what our flesh wants. And then they're offering us a fake faux version of deliverance when our flesh fails us. So we'll just keep coming back again and again and again. You want to totally, on, again, the prophetic nature of this show when different segments come together that we we did not plan ahead of time we couldn't have known aaron the last part of your montage today is video of gabe wrench getting arrested that's exactly what you were talking about steve he's literally along with uh, his church in the town square as you said pointing up singing hymns mm -hmm. there's another way mm -hmm. and who comes the government. But the government, yeah. the police officers, yes. the ones who are supposed to be about... Wearing, wearing oh, yes. the ribbon, wearing the masks. Yes. Uh, so that it's official. They are sanctioned. Yes. They, are, they have been given station and agency. Yes. yes. And they are order now. Yes. They're the... They're by, we're trained. We're cops. Good guys. Defend the blue. We are, we, we are over... The Republicans constantly telling you, thin blue line, all that... This, this is a, and he he knew every I swear to God I think every time that a Republican who hates us more as you say than anybody mm. else brings up this thin blue line kind of stuff the devil over here is just like oh. it's like crack. What did we say to what did I say to Alvin Louie from Courage Is a Habit the other day when he was laying out what goes on with guidance counselors in the schools and mm -hmm. I said this is not you're not describing yeah. school indoctrination as we have on the right the for many many years you're describing discipleship. Yeah. This is biblical, a biblical discipleship model. Yeah. It's, it's, it's inverted. It's the other yeah. side of the looking glass. It's the upside down yeah. version. It's bizarro world, mm -hmm. but it is appealing to our need for validation and unconditional acceptance. Mm -hmm. And, and so they're giving us what we want. If they walked in and said, you know what you really want to do is, um, hate yourself, be self-loathing, murder your own children, uh, hate the children that you end up having or have them hate you, wake up at 50 and be completely unsatisfied. And would, who at 16 is going to say, dude, I don't know, man. I mean, my parents may suck right now, but I'm not interested in that. Mm -hmm. Right? Right? Yeah. That's not what they offer you. Don't you think you need unconditional acceptance and love and you're not getting it at home? They're not, they're no longer hell figured out. It doesn't tempt us with what hell wants to tempt us with. Yeah. It tempts us with what we want to be tempted with. Yes. It didn't want to do this. It hates us.
It didn't want to give us even a temporary fake relief, a temporary fake experience, a temporary fake relationship. It didn't even want to give us that. It just wanted nihilistic suffering. But then it realized when it went there, we felt cornered, outnumbered, helpless. And so we would humble ourselves and look up. It realized it couldn't dial it up to 11. It couldn't do it. So it had to dial us up to 11. It had to serve us with what we actually wanted. And if they did, oh boy, how about this line that Nefarious puts in bold in this chapter? It works so well now that apparently my master is so brilliant, he's now getting credit for the work he didn't even do. We just do it to ourselves. Or as Nefarious says here in the book, we didn't come up with that one. Sometimes you amaze even us. And so that's why your answer to your question, Aaron, is this something dark or more malevolent, or is this just a Romans one judgment? And the answer is yes. Yes. What's the last line of Romans one? These are people who delight in doing and creating new ways to do evil and encouraging others to do the same. So this is the fulfillment. This is, what, uh, this is what a Romans 1 judgment has wrought. Darkness for darkness's sake. And that's where we are right now. Our country blows up pipelines now. Our country, our country poisons you before the Shycoms can even get their hands on you. They sell their, your farmland to the Shycoms before you even contemplate selling out to them yourselves. And then when they fly a balloon overhead, we're like, and that's why we need to gear up the military and let's go have a bunch of our best and brightest go out there and die for a damn country that friggin' hates them. No. Just as hell figured out how to win here was to give us what we wanted, not what they wanted to give us. We need a similar level of discernment here in the light. We need to see things for as they are, not how we want them to be, not as they once were, not in a way that generationally brings nostalgia back. But as things are, this is where we are. We're here. And we're not getting out of here without recognizing where here is. Well, all throughout last year here on The Blaze, we followed the election in Arizona, particularly the gubernatorial election there. And I mean, listen, man, I, I hand out compliments to politicians about as frequently as Joe Biden remembers what he did last night these days. Okay. It doesn't happen very often, but I, I, I still think Carrie Lake might've been the best political candidate I have ever seen, which is why we were absolutely crushed when, um, when they took it from her. We'll go with that. You like, is that okay? Todd, Mr. Hashtag arrest Katie Hobbs. Are you okay with as long as you you're say the show editor. Katie Hobbs somewhere in there, I'm good. Okay. That's, you're the show editor, so I want to make sure it passes your muster. Okay. Um, however, she continues to fight what happened there in Maricopa County uh, in the state of Arizona. And that fight has also brought her back to her home state where she grew up, which is where we live. 
yes. the state of Iowa as well. And she joins us now here on Blaze TV radio and podcast. Uh, Carrie, it is uh, Steve Dace here from the Blaze. It's an honor to have you with us. How are you? I'm doing great. It's so good to be home. I'm actually driving right now out in the snow, and we're in the town where I went to um, high school. So it's it's always great to come home. You know, Iowa's the most amazing state, and I'm just blessed, blessed, blessed to have um, been lucky enough to grow up here. So it's you're, good to be home. You're doing a few events around the state, one of them in Dallas County, which is my neck of the woods, actually. What brought you back here other than family? Anytime someone shows up in Iowa in the winter heading into a, an election <laughs> cycle, speculation begins, right? So what specifically brought you back home? Well, it's so funny because my team, I said, you know, I, I'd like to go visit Iowa. And it was a while back. And like, you, can, you can't go to Iowa. If you, if you go to Iowa, people are going to think you're running for a bigger office. And I go, well, I have family there. You mean, you mean to tell me I can never visit <laughs> Iowa again? And, you know, so you figure you go right after the election and you're safe. But, you know, nowadays, election season is year round. It's every single year, every single moment. So I am here visiting family. Um, and I'm also here sharing the message of why it's so important uh, to, to talk about election integrity, talk about election crimes and talk about election fraud. You know, that's been the taboo subject. We cannot speak about election fraud. They, they won't let us talk about that. And if we don't start talking about that, we're going to lose our country in short order. Because let me tell you, even though Iowa runs elections that are pretty much, I believe, uh, some of the more fair elections in the country, although there's probably room for improvement in every state, um, when places like Arizona, Georgia, Michigan, you name it, the, the, the typical usual suspects who are cheating and, and running fraudulent elections, when they're doing that, then we aren't charting the course for our future, that it doesn't matter if Iowa has great elections, if we have stolen elections elsewhere and um, our country is going to hell in a handbasket because of that. That's why we get people like Joe Biden in office. It's that why it's why we have someone named Katie Hobbs sitting in the governor's office in Arizona. And that's why we're going to continue to have a wide open border, fentanyl pouring in and the destruction of our country. So we have to, as Americans, take on this issue and say, it's important enough that we have to talk about it. We have to look at what's going on in our elections because we, the people, are supposed to decide who our elected representatives are. And that's what I want to get to, and I want to share that story here in Iowa. And um, I couldn't be happier to be here in the summer. Of course, I always get to go back to Arizona where it's a little bit warmer. <laughs> so it's nice to be here in the winter and see the snow falling um, in Iowa. It's actually nice here for this time of year, but I digress. Let's go back to Arizona. Where do things stand right now with uh, the, the, the legal battle over whatever the Sam Hill occurred there in Maricopa County uh, on what is now, I guess, election festival. We don't have election days now. We just count until <laughs> people have the votes they think they need. I mean, wh where, where are we at with that case, Carrie? Uh, you just nailed it. I mean, we, we have, I call it election month in Arizona. We vote for 27 days and then they count for two weeks or as long as they need to get the outcome they want. It's just, I'm, I'm not exaggerating. Um, and unfortunately, it's been allowed to get worse and worse and worse. Um, we are still in the process um, that our case is in the courts and we are in the appellate court. There's a three judge panel hearing our case. They're, they're actually looking through all of the evidence that we have. And they're going to be making a ruling, hopefully, here in the next 
anywhere from a few days to a week or two. I'm, I'm hoping it's sooner rather than later. And we're going to take this all the way to the Arizona Supreme Court. Whatever the ruling is, it doesn't matter. It's going to the Arizona Supreme Court. It, either our side will take it there or the other side will. But we have a, a ton of evidence, impeccable evidence, and we have the law on our side. And we're just waiting to find a judge who will apply that law and take a hard look at the evidence that we have. 300,000 ballots were poured in with zero chain of custody. We have no idea where they came from. Those are invalid ballots. Two days after the election, they pumped in 25,000 additional ballots out of nowhere. They didn't follow signature verification on the mail-in ballots to the point of Tens of thousands a day that were being rejected ended up being counted anyways. And then the, the most egregious thing they did was sabotage, intentionally sabotage Election Day. When they knew that three to one, the voters were showing up to vote for me, they intentionally printed the wrong image on the ballot in Maricopa County so that the tabulator machines would spit out those ballots and reject them. We found out that a quarter of a million ballots on Election Day were rejected by the tabulators. They ran a banana republic style election in Arizona, and they think they can get away with it, but they messed with the wrong woman. In 2020, I sat here incredulous as specific allegations were made about irregularities in your state's presidential election on the same day that your Republican governor, Doug Ducey, just went out and certified the election. And I, I said to our audience here on The Blaze, I, I'm not empowered to investigate these things. I don't, I don't know if they're true or not, but these are very specific allegations. Wouldn't we want to know if they're true? Wouldn't we want to know if the people making them are making false claims and probably should be uh, banished from the conversation as scam artists and grifters? Wouldn't we want to know if they're whistleblowers and telling us the truth? Why would we w- not want to know? I, I thought of that again, listening to you give very specific allegations of irregularities. I mean, the things that you're alleging, Carrie, you know this. I mean, you worked in the media. These things are, are incontrovertibly true or false. Either the numbers and the states, the stats that you're citing these events occurred or they did not why would we not want to know that the people who think you're a flake and a conspiracy theorist and everything else this is the perfect opportunity go ahead have these things fully adjudicated and why 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 wouldn't they not want to expose the fact that you're just making things up whole cloth as they claim why would we not want to know carrie what the truth is well because the people who who uh, are in the media they want the leftists in office, and, and they know that those people can't win fair and square, and they have to win through cheating. And unfortunately, and you're right, this is inco- this is uh, these are facts. This is data. For example, the system logs that we've obtained, that's data, data, and that would that would show every single uh, you know keystroke, every single thing that happened in the computers. Uh, in the tabulating machines on Election Day. We have all that information. That's not Democrat information or Republican. It's just raw data. And that is showing that every half an hour, from the minute the polls opened on Election Day until the minute they closed, at least 7,000 ballots were being rejected every half an hour. We know that the uh, from our whistleblowers, three of them, that the signature verification process was a complete joke. It wasn't followed. There wasn't even time to do the signature verification. If they truly would have done signature verification, which basically is the, the envelope you signed that says, I actually filled this out. If they would have done that, they would have only had time to spend eight seconds per ballot. That's impossible to do signature verification. And when we asked to depose the, uh, the supervisor of the signature verification process, she disappeared. 
she's now missing. She doesn't reside in, in the county anymore. And, oh, wow, we can't find her. We can't track her down. Doug Ducey should want to get to the bottom of it. Everybody should. It makes you wonder, the people who don't want to get to the bottom of this, why? What's their motive? Could they have benefited from shoddy elections? I'm just glad that we led such an amazing movement and continue to lead such an amazing movement that it became so obvious that this was stolen. Otherwise, we would have just maybe thought, oh, well, this is the way people are voting. But everyone in Arizona knows that Katie Hobbs didn't win. I heard she was out at the golf event the other day and got booed so loudly it was uh, embarrassing. People in Arizona know she's not our governor. They know she didn't win. And they want answers because they were victimized by this system on Election Day. Their sacred vote was trampled upon. And I'm not going to stop talking about it. I don't care what names they call me. I want my children to have a country when they grow up and where they get to choose their elected officials. I was just in your neck of the woods for America Fest a couple of months ago, uh, right there in the heart of downtown Phoenix. Beautiful downtown metropolitan area. And it's it's has the highest median income Maricopa County does of any county in your state. How in the world can they not conduct a functional election there? How is that even possible? Well, because the people running it are unethical, biased, and I believe acting in a, a criminal manner. I mean, the two people who ran Maricopa County elections, Stephen Richer and Bill Gates. They also simultaneously, as they're running the elections, ran a super PAC, raising tens of thousands of dollars to stop so-called election deniers. And we found out that all of the expenditures went to stopping one specific candidate, yours truly. So the two men running the election are at the same time that I'm on the ballot, at the top of the ballot, running a PAC trying to bring me down. My opponent, Katie Hobbs, runs the state elections. It's outrageous. We have 15 counties. Maricopa County is the second most populous county in the, in the uh, country. 64% of our population resides in Maricopa County. And these two men, who are unethical at least, criminal at worst, ran the election, and they are charting the course for this country's future. We're letting two men have that much power. And they're not, uh, you know, people in Iowa didn't elect them, but when they steal elections in Arizona, that means fentanyl pours across the border. That means mm-hmm. fentanyl makes it to places like Iowa. And we need to hold these people accountable. What's the purpose of having election laws if they're not followed and if they're not prosecuted when those laws are broken? Final thing I want to ask you about, uh, I've known Sarah Huckabee for a long time and uh, watched her uh, State of the Union response speech the other night. And I usually don't watch them because most of the time they bore me. I just know her. So I watched it because it was hers. And I, I saw her say something we just don't hear from a lot of Republicans. They get a national stage very often, which is an actual articulation of the stakes of the moment. Uh, talking about a culture war that we didn't sign up for that is being forced on us, that we're literally dealing with a, a movement that it's at war with reality, that we're told we have to bow to their flags and their false idols. Um, and and it's it's galvanized a lot of people around the country who are like, hey, you know, 
finally, you guys are actually addressing something other than jobs and the economy. Those things are uh, very important, but we're not a technocratic civilization here. And there are issues of existential importance at stake. I thought you articulated those very well as a candidate, too. I mean, you even just did it a second ago. The reality, and I said this the day after the election when you when they when they claimed that you lost there are there are because they didn't because she you didn't get elected and close that border there are people whose kids are going to od on fentanyl now that maybe would not have had you won We're, this is this is serious this isn't a sporting event between republicans and democrats these are actual life and death stakes and can you speak to that because i i think that that is something that that you understood and articulated well as a candidate well that's why they had to stop me that's exactly why they had to stop me, because they knew that I was going to do exactly what I said I was going to do. On day one, when I take my hand off the Bible, the oath of office, we're going to declare an invasion on the border, and we are going to go after these cartels. These are terrorists. They're terrorizing our country, destabilizing our country, killing our young generation with drugs. And they knew that as a candidate, I was going to uh, what I was promising I was going to live up to. That's why they had to stop me by any means necessary, even if it meant they stole an election in broad daylight and everybody knows it. They just didn't care. And this is why the Republicans have to start talking about our election integrity. How do we get a secure border if we can't elect the people who are going to secure the border? Mm. How do we get a fentanyl crisis under control and stop the flow of that poison if we can't elect people who are going to do that? This is why, you know, election integrity is the most important issue, because if we're not allowed to choose our leaders unless they fit into some sort of a box that uh, the you know, uniparty approves of. I didn't I wasn't an approved candidate by the uniparty because I was talking about the issues that matter. And this is why we have a movement of mama bears and papa bears and I call them grandma bears and grandpa bears. Even students realize the tyranny that that we are under right now. And I, I I give uh, credit to Sarah, uh, Governor um, Sanders, for doing a great job in articulating that. We need more people to be articulating how important the stakes, how, how high the stakes are, how important what we're up against is right now. We need a few brave people to stand up and say enough is enough. We, we've got to change course or it's going to be too late. That's why I love President Trump. The man is courageous. He's ready to fight. He doesn't have to do this. He could just retire and enjoy his wonderful life. But he loves this country too much to see it fall into the hands of these, uh, frankly, demonic forces. Some of the stuff that we're seeing out there is there's no other way to describe it. She is, at least as far as we're concerned, the rightful governor of Arizona. It's been a pleasure to finally get you on the show, Carrie. Enjoy your home state of Iowa, and we look forward to doing it again. All right. Take care and God bless. I'd love to tell you real quick about one event coming up tomorrow, Saturday. It's up in, you know about it, it's in Ankeny. It's at the district venue. Doors open at 4.15 p.m. And we're looking forward to talking to everybody uh, in central Iowa. So come on out for that. You can go to Lake K-A-R-I-L-A-K-E dot com slash events to sign up for free tickets. And I hope everybody will show up. I'm really um, happy to be back in Iowa where there's just a ton of common sense. <laughs> we, need, we need a little more Iowa common sense everywhere else. Amen. God bless you, Carrie. Thank you very much. Thank you, Steve. All right, take care. Good opportunity here, talking about existential stakes, to remind you about our friends over at Preborn. Uh, here at The Blaze last year, we partnered with them uh, to save upwards of 50,000 babies from being extincted before they were ever born. And this year, we're hoping to save even more. And in future years, we're hoping to not have to save any. 
Uh, to make that happen, though, we need donations from people like you. Uh, they offer everything for free, from the ultrasounds uh, before the baby's born to the aftercare for the moms in crisis after the baby is born. They understand you got to love both the mama and the baby, and they do that as well as anybody at Preborn. That's why we're happy to support them here on The Blaze and here on the Steve Day Show as well. I'm a kid, as many of you know, born to a 15-year-old mom who was a mom in crisis. All right, so uh, if you want to make that donation so they can offer that support and save those babies free of charge, uh, please uh, go to preborn.com slash Steve today, preborn.com slash Steve, or dial pound 250 on your mobile uh, with the keyword baby, pound 250 with the keyword baby on your mobile. Quick thoughts on our conversation here a minute ago with Carrie Lake. I, I did not know the part about the Maricopa County officials also running a super PAC like that. Yeah, I, neither did I. Yeah. This is like... They're just declaring the code red right out in the open. And like, no one's going to do anything about it. There's no, Tom Cruise is not here to save you. It's amazing. Ain't no fun when the rabbit's got the gun. I said, don't hand the rabbit the gun. You see what leftists do. They immediately start threatening anybody who threatens them with uh, felonies and lawsuits, which is exactly what these people have been doing ever since the sham election. Amen. John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.